Welcome, welcome to this week's episode of the Strikeout Corner. Boy, it has been an emotional roller coaster of a week for the Baltimore Orioles. A lot of highs, a lot of lows, a lot of good things that are happening, and a lot of things that are still happening that shouldn't be happening. Anyway, we have a lot to talk about, so without any further ado, let's get straight into this week's episode. filled with disappointment and frustration. One silver lining is that 1988 will not happen again, at least not for now. The Orioles ended their 14-game losing streak this week, and now they've strung a few wins together and are now on a three-game winning streak, as I am recording this now. Uh, Later today, John Means is going to be on the bump, so I imagine that three-game winning streak will turn into a four-game winning streak. But during that 14-game losing streak, our pitching did okay. Uh, they They gave the Orioles a chance to win. Our hitting was doing okay. I mean, we were getting hits, we were getting on base, and we were scoring some runs. But the biggest issue was we weren't getting hits with runners in scoring position. I don't I don't know what the exact number was, but it was something ridiculous. I think I think last week we went something like five for thirty with runners in scoring position, which is just ridiculous. I mean, you get a guy on third with one out, just put the ball up in the air. That's all you gotta do, but Orioles hitters were just striking out and grounding out when when hitters were in scoring position. But that is behind us. This week we have done well. We have hit well. We have pitched very well. Keegan Aiken was moved from a relief spot to a starting spot, and Dean Kramer was moved down to AAA. Keegan Aiken has been proving himself as a solid starter. He's got a pretty nasty fastball changeup combination. Nothing, nothing like John Means, but a very nice fastball changeup combo. Over his two games this week, he's pitched 9.2 innings. He's only given up eight hits, three walks, and one earned run while still striking out nine, giving the Orioles a great opportunity to win in the games that he is starting. And I feel like overall, the way I expected the season to go, I expected the season to go badly. I mean... Yeah, I just expected this season to go badly. But I expected the Orioles starting pitching to be the worst aspect of our game. And overall, I feel like this season, our starting pitching has actually been been pretty well. Uh, John Means has just been lights out. Uh, Matt Harvey has been struggling, but he's been doing pretty well. Uh, Lopez has done really well, and I'm really glad... Aiken has been put in in the starting rotation as well. And this week, the the pitching has just been amazing. Each starter has gone out and provided an opportunity for the Orioles to win. Staying on the pitching topic, the Orioles 
elected to use Matt Harvey as an opener against the Twins this week, which proved very effective. He pitched three innings, giving up one home run, which was enough for Tyler Wells to come in, the Orioles to score a few runs. Tyler Wells would be credited with his first Major League win, which is amazing. Congratulations to him. Uh, Rule 5 guy, uh, pitching very well for the Orioles, too. Um, later that game, Sean Armstrong would come out, give up a couple earned runs, uh, which I think was the catalyst for the Orioles designating him for assignment in order to make room for Hunter Harvey to come up this weekend. So hopefully we'll be able to see Hunter Harvey pitch either today or tomorrow, which should be extremely exciting. But Matt Harvey, opener for the Orioles, pitched very well. Tyler Wells pitched very well. Paul Fry came in to get the save. Orioles win, which is always exciting when the Orioles win. However, the Orioles are still struggling in the bullpen. Bright note, Tanner Scott seems to be finding his rhythm. Over the last week, he's pitched three innings, given up one hit. He's given up zero earned runs, which is great, while striking out seven. The week before, he was struggling. The week before, he pitched 2.1 innings, five strikeouts while giving up two earned runs, two walks, and three hits. He was struggling to find some command. He wasn't throwing fastballs for strikes. He was throwing fastballs below the zone. His slider was wild. And those are the only two pitches he has. He wasn't able to throw strikes. He was walking. He was getting behind in the count. And then he was just leaving meatballs down the middle of the plate for the hitters to hit. So, the fact that he is now finding some rhythm, he's giving up less walks, less hits, and no earned runs, is great. Gives us an extra option to go to in the bullpen later in the game, especially when we're in a tight situation. Ryan Mountcastle, though, this week, holy cow, Ryan Mountcastle's been good. Uh, he struggled in the month of May. Actually, he struggled kind of in the month of April, too. But he's finally starting to heat up. He's finally starting to look like the Ryan Mountcastle, at least I was expecting to see out of him. This week he has six hits, two doubles, three home runs, and seven RBIs. We rode his home run last night to a victory over the Indians, giving us the tying and go-ahead run late in the game. So Ryan Mountcastle, kudos to you. Keep doing what you are doing because you are playing well. So the Orioles have game two against the Indians today. If we're able to knock out a win today, that'll be two series in a row at home that we collect a W on. And I'm looking at the Orioles lineup. And even though the Orioles are an underwhelming team, and I have a feeling that most teams, when they play the Orioles and most fan bases, when their team is playing the Orioles, they expect a easy win and... It really should kind of be an easy win, but I'm looking at the Orioles lineup, and I would imagine that any pitcher that has to face the Orioles lineup is kind of terrified of facing the one through five guys. 
I mean, you got Cedric Mullins that leads off, and he's, I think he's leading the leagues in hits right now. He's playing extremely well. It's hard to strike him out. He's extremely fast. He can bunt. He can hit oppo field. It's hard to pitch to him because he reads the ball extremely well out of the pitcher's hand. And immediately following him, you have to face Trey Mancini, who's, I don't think he's leading the league in RBIs anymore, but he's one of the top guys in league RBIs. And that one-two combo there has got to be terrifying, terrifying for opposing pitchers. And let's, let's just imagine that Cedric Mullins will probably get on base. You strike out Trey Mancini. You don't have any relief with Anthony Santander coming up after him. Santander, since coming back, is, I think, on a really good history. I don't know what the exact number is, but I know he's hitting a lot of extra base hits, and he's getting on base, and he's driving in runs. And then after him, you have Freddie Galvis. And Freddie Galvis is hitting the ball really well. He hit a couple home runs this week. There's just no relief. And... Let's, let's just say, Cedric Mullins gets on base. You're able to strike out Trey Mancini. You're able to strike out Anthony Santander. Freddie Galvis will probably get on base too. Number five, you got DJ Stewart. Now, DJ Stewart, he doesn't hit a lot of base hits. But, man, the guy is clutch. You'll, you'll probably get him out a few times in the beginning of the game. But it seems like every single time he's up to bat, late in the game, game is on the line, dude hits a solo or two-run shot. I mean, every stinking time. It's amazing. DJ Stewart just has this clutch factor about him. And that's got to be terrifying for opposing pitchers. So, hopefully today... We string four straight wins together. Two straight series wins together. Hopefully, our pitching is good. Our hitting is good. Hopefully, our bullpen pitches well. But our bullpen can only pitch well if Brandon Hyde elects not to use Cesar Valdez. Why we still have Cesar Valdez, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what the logic is between or for keeping... Cesar Valdez. He's he pitched well in the very beginning of the season because he pitches against what the rest of the league does. The rest of the league is throwing high heat, gas, pairing it with really good sliders and really good changeups. Cesar Valdez does one thing and one thing only. He throws changeups. And he throws very, very slow changeups like 78-mile-an-hour change-ups. And he does that 80% of the time. If he loses command on his change-up, he doesn't have a secondary pitch to go to. What is he going to do? Throw an 84-mile-an-hour fastball? I mean, once the league has figured out to wait on his pitches to sit back in the box, I shouldn't say sit back in the box, sit back in their swing, they time him up. And that's kind of what he had going for him. People weren't able to time him up in the beginning of the year. Now they can. So why do we still have him? Every single time he comes out, I get anxious. 
I'm afraid every single time he's on the bump because he just gives up walks, he gives up hits. Batters are able to string hits against him. He gives up runs. I, he's not a good, he's not a good relief pitcher, and I don't know why 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 he's still in. <sighs> Man, Brandon Hyde needs to designate him for assignment. They need to bring somebody else up. I don't know who they bring up, but I know the answer isn't Cesar Valdez. I mean, maybe. Maybe if you got a guy that really hits bombs, strikes out a lot, it's the end of an inning, you need one more out to get out of the inning. Maybe that's the time you bring in Cesar Valdez, that way he doesn't have to face the, the minimum of three batters. But bringing him in at the beginning of like the eighth inning or the beginning of the ninth inning when, you know, we're two, three runs ahead or two, three runs behind, is not the time for Cesar Valdez. Use him to eat up innings when we have a huge lead or use him to eat up innings when we have or when we're behind by a lot. But not in a close game because he just gives up runs. And I'm sure everybody thinks that he's just he's just not good. And I think that's the that I think is the weakest part of the Orioles roster. Cesar Valdez. I think he needs to get on to AAA. I think he needs to get off the team. Or he needs to be used in a position to eat up innings. I don't think you use him the way the Orioles have been using him. And I, I don't know. Again, I said I don't know what the logic is. Maybe Brandon Hyde thinks if you use him enough, he'll snap out of whatever rut he's in. But I don't think he's in a rut. I think he's just bad. But I'm not the manager. Brandon Hyde is. Brandon Hyde is getting paid the big bucks to make these decisions, and I'm sure Brandon Hyde sees something I don't. But I don't know. He's bad. He's bad. He's bad. And I feel like I've beaten that dead horse enough, but he's bad. In other news, the future of Baltimore is looking very bright. The Bowie Bay Sox are the best team in the minor leagues. Man, we've got some talent down there. Adley Rushman, he's exciting. He's playing well. Gunnar Henderson is hitting extremely well. He's hitting home run after home run, getting RBI after RBI. He's playing well. Grayson Rodriguez hitting triple digits in the minor leagues, collecting wins. Gosh. I am excited. The future of Baltimore looks bright. Uh, it looks like the perpetual rebuild of the Baltimore Orioles is finally coming to an end. Still a couple years away, but it's gonna be it's gonna be fun in Baltimore in 2024, 2023, in 2023. That's kind of that's kind of my expectation. We'll be bad until 2023, and then. Then we'll be good. We'll we'll call up this young talent. The Orioles will start becoming a force in the AL East. It's gonna be exciting. Ryan Mountcastle will probably be the the guy, the veteran, so called veteran presence uh, for the Orioles at that time. I imagine 
by that time we'll get rid of Santander. We'll probably trade Mancini away. That's my guess. Uh, Mountcastle will probably be the guy that is charged with leading the Orioles. Uh, Adley Rushman is going to be the face, but Mountcastle is going to be the one with the experience. He's going to be the one that teaches these guys, that leads these guys. I'm, I'm excited for the future in Baltimore. And with that, that will do it for this week's episode of the Strikeout Corner. Remember to follow me on Twitter. Twitter handle is at StrikeoutThe. It's a, it's a bad Twitter handle, but it's my Twitter handle, so I'm going to own it. I'm especially excited to watch today's game with John Means on the bump. So, got to end this to watch that. Anyway. I hope you guys have a great week, and I will catch you on next week's episode of The Strikeout Corner. <laughs>